God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do need you. Every day, every moment. And we pray now as we look at the mystery of who you are, Father, you would teach us. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through a series on uh, the book entitled God With Us by John Peckham. And last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and this week we'll be talking about the Trinity and trying to eventually within this series answer some bigger questions uh, that many people have had for centuries, ages. I'll start with a story. In 2011, 2011-2012, I was in Guam on the island of Guam, Micronesia. I was studying uh, at a Bible college called Mission College of Evangelism. And uh, the, I was there with a number of students, and the program hosts an, an evangelistic series uh, every session, every session of students. And so they put us in charge of the youth and the young adults and the teens, and we each took turns uh, teaching uh, basic Christian fundamentals each evening that there were meetings. And so my night to teach came, and I was told to teach on the Trinity. And so I said, hmm, how can I, how can I begin uh, teaching on the Trinity? What kind of examples could I use? And so I thought, and I thought, and I thought to myself, and then I said, all right, I'm going to go with this. And so I asked them, what does God look like? What does God look like? Draw a picture. Now, if someone asked you, draw a picture of what God looked like, what would you draw? It's interesting. Could be a couple of different things. Well, the majority of them uh, drew someone who resembled a, a regular person, uh, your average gentleman, and then I read to them a scripture, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, says, And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So technically, they could have potentially drawn three distinct figures, beings. God the Father, the voice, maybe in the clouds, a dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit, and Jesus there in the water. Or maybe they could have went more abstract and drawn what was detailed in our text of emphasis in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, which says, So we have known and believed the love that God has for us, but God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. What would that have looked like? God is love. Who 
is God. Scripture says God is love. What does that mean? In life, when we try to describe abstract concepts or intense emotions or feelings, we turn to artistic expressions, illustrations, pictures. In fact, when Adam first saw Eve coming from the hand of God, he breaks out into poetry. We turn to songs, poetry like Adam, paintings, movement. Because what is sometimes unable to be described in words is better described in rhythms and time and strokes and sways and jumps and melodies. Love is something you can see. Love is something you can experience. It is both tangible and intangible. It's both visible and invisible. Love is the power that keeps the world turning, that keeps the world going. If you were to remove love from the globe, I imagine the world would implode on itself. Scripture says that God is love. Meaning, God's fundamental nature, his very being, is love. Not that he has love, which he does. Not that he gives love, which he gives. But he is love. Love is not an extension or an add-on to God. Love is who he is. That's his being. For example, Michelle, that's me. Michelle having an apple and Michelle being an apple are two very different things, right? So if I were an apple and I gave you a piece, I would be giving you a piece of myself, if I am an apple. This is what God does when we ask him to put love in our hearts. He takes and gives of himself. Love is a relational concept. Because in order to really comprehend love, it is dependent on a relationship. To fully understand. And God exists in a relationship of love. Let's dig a little deeper. What am I talking about? The term Trinity which is a term used to express the plurality of God, is not found in scripture, but it's used to illustrate that although God is one, he is also three. Now, what we are not saying is that there is more than one God or that there are three gods. That's what we're not saying. What we are saying is that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, known as the Trinity, is described in Scripture as one God. Yet, we also understand that according to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us... Make humanity in our image, after our likeness. 
God refers to himself as us and our, a plurality. So the question arises, how can three persons be one God? Well, if we're thinking about the ideas of one and three in the same way, such as strictly numerical, then yes, that becomes problematic. But if we think of the idea of one being the idea of complete harmony or unity or togetherness, and then three being numerical, then we understand how something can be both one and three. As a disclaimer, <laughs> all analogies to explain the Godhead or the Trinity are insufficient and probably break down at some point somewhere in the reasoning. How can finite beings truly explain the mystery of God? But to help clarify that something can be both one and three in different respects without contradic contradiction is the point being made. Sports teams fall under a similar idea where there's one team but many members. So how does God's plurality relate to his being of love? Well, John chapter 17, Jesus is speaking <clears throat> and, so, and, and talks to his disciples and says this, before the foundation of the world, pretty much Jesus tells them before the creation of the universe, there was already a love relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before anything or anyone was created. This pre-existed all of creation. Each member of the Godhead experiences love outside of themselves, being able to love the other two members of the Trinity. God was love within his nature before any created thing or being existed. A love relationship was shared between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, John Peckham uh, the author of the book that we're, re we're, we're going through, God With Us, says this. He says, some believe this is itself evidence for the Trinity doctrine or teaching. In order for God to be love, before God created creatures, the argument goes, there must have been a love relationship in God, and this requires both lover and beloved in the Godhead. The Godhead shares love amongst one another, and once they began creating, they shared that love relationship with their creation. And so Jesus reminds us, John chapter 16, verse 27 and 28, he says, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Jesus is speaking and saying, there are two distinct individuals here. Myself, I'm the one speaking, and the Father, right? But he says, the Father himself loves you. Right? So this is not just Jesus loving us, right? John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, 
This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Speaking of the Holy Ghost, right? We talked about the Holy Ghost last week, right? Here we see again Jesus referring to the Father and the Spirit, that the Father would send the Spirit and Jesus is the one speaking. And obviously the three together, the Godhead, the Trinity, are working together for the salvation and redemption of humanity. Unified, togetherness, one mission, one purpose. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. I could go on listing all of these scriptures. John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Another quote, the works of God, Father, Son, and Spirit are aimed at restoring intimate love relationship between God and humans. That is the work of God because God is love. Who is God? The scriptures describe God as a just God, and God describes himself as one that will by no means clear the guilty. The scriptures also tell us that God calls believers to be people of justice. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice. Rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Micah 6.8, he has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Psalm 82.3, give justice to the weak and the orphan, maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Isaiah 61.8, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. Deuteronomy 6.20, justice and only justice you shall pursue so that you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God has given you. And then Exodus 34, 6 and 7, when declaring his glory to Moses on the mount, he said, forgiving transgression, God said about himself, forgiving transgression and iniquity and sin and by no means clearing the guilty. It is interesting that scripture after scripture details that God loves justice. He asks for justice. He himself is just and expects his people to live justly. He expects his people to be people of justice. And when you read these scriptures and then you, you look at the world, there seems to be a disconnect. God said he's a God of justice, yet the world reflects injustice. The world reflects oppression, and the world reflects poverty, and hunger, and pain, and economic disparities, and imbalances of power, and racist systems, and human trafficking, and theft, and rape, and the list goes on. But God is a God of justice. 
there's an obvious disconnect. Where is the justice? The truth is, we live in a broken world. Now, how it became broken is the story detailed, or the scripture has its version of the story. Other people have their reasons and versions why the world is the way it is. But according to scripture, it details it in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the first three chapters, and a number of other portions of scripture throughout the canon. We'll come to that later in this series. And because of that reality, that because of that brokenness, what God wants, what God desires, is not always what he gets. Now, you might be thinking, how can an all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, ever-present God not get what he wants? Well, for starters... If God used force to fulfill his desires, he wouldn't be just. But we'll come to that later. That's another question. If God loves justice, why aren't we seeing it? You see, the more you begin to discover who God is, the more questions you begin to ask. There must be something, some, some rules, some principles we don't see or haven't seen, some rules of engagement, perhaps. God must be operating by something that we don't know or can't see or have yet to discover that's keeping us from understanding why a God who loves justice is not getting justice. And that thought will also come to later rules of engagement. But the truth is, in the same way that God doesn't always get what he wants, what we want as humans, what we desire, living in this world, especially in regards to justice, is not always what we get. So it seems that no one wins. It seems that no one wins until justice is served. Now, if you read to the end of the scriptures, you know that there is a winner. But the Trinity stands for justice. Romans chapter 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death. The reason why human beings begin their human lives only to end them in the grave is because of sin. Death is a part of our experience, not because it was meant to be, but because of the reality and presence of sin in our world. And God, because he is so just, cannot change the rules of the universe. Have you ever played like a card game, maybe Uno, or pick up 21 on the basketball court, and somebody keeps changing the rules. <laughs> it's like, draw two. No, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? And immediately, immediately you're like, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. 
God doesn't play like that. God doesn't operate like that. God keeps his own law. He cannot go against himself. He will always remain just. So now, how do you maintain justice of the universe that, that, that sinned and requires death, right? But salvage a broken world and a broken people because you love them. How? You know, it was because of justice that God died. God died because he's just. Hebrews 2 verse 9 says, But we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. God enacted justice on himself on our behalf so that the penalty or the cost of sin would be paid, yet the sinner would still have a chance at life, eternal life. He will by no means clear the guilty, but he will make a way for the salvation and redemption of his people, the ones that he loves. Even if he has to pay for it himself. It was because of justice God died. But it's because of God's mercy and grace that we live again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So though you may die, he says, believe in me, you will live again. The triune God is love. He is love. Love is manifest in God's very being. God's unswerving tie to justice is a reflection of how deeply God loves us. To the point of bringing about our salvation and redemption. In the madness of the world, we're not the only ones feeling it. Scripture says all of creation, the whole creation groans underneath the weight of sin and of brokenness. And God feels it too. God feels it too. God is so present with us that everything we experience, he is also experiencing. J.J. Heller, <clears throat> folk singer, folkish singer, in songs she put it this way, simple lyrics. She said, I'm going to start on a low note because I started high earlier this morning and it didn't work. <laughs> if you fall, I fall with you. If you hurt, I feel it too. Even if my heart turns black and blue, <laughs> I will love you 
And she says, Beauty and might will fight for you. Goodness and light, it shines for you. If you fall, I fall with you. If you hurt, I feel it too. Even if my heart turns black and blue. I will love you. I will love you. Even if my heart turns black and blue, I will love you. The way that God loves us, it's a painful kind of love. It literally causes pain. It's a fierce and passionate love, both aggressive and gentle at the same time. No, we haven't answered all the questions yet. We may never answer all of the questions we come up with about an infinite God or the problems of this world. But know this, God is love. The triune God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit is love. And wherever love is, God is with us. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. I pray that God would give you an experience that you would believe that he is with you.